Hello and welcome to the Mantelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys, all about guys. Have you ever struggled with feeling behind the curve in basic man intelligence? Well, that is exactly what we're going to help you with. On today's show, we will talk about woodworking and how with a few tools and a little knowledge, you can become the craftsman you always wanted to be. Let's get it started. Welcome back. We are excited to be here and we're excited to continue to give you guys the information that's going to make you a better version of yourself, make you a better man. We have a special guest uh, that's going to talk to us about how to get started into woodworking and some some really easy things that you can do to, to begin that journey. Uh, before that, I'm going to introduce you uh, to uh, my co-host, uh, Mr. Reed Primetime Fisher. Welcome back. Uh, it's good to be here in beautiful, sunny, intelligent land and uh, excited about another good episode. So our guest this week is someone that we, we are just really excited about and has a, has a lot of good information. It is Chris Robison, and he is someone that has done woodworking for, for many years. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Glad to be here. So, Chris, uh, kind of starting out, give our listeners kind of an idea of what got you into woodworking and kind of what were some of the challenges as you began to learn what that kind of looked like for you? Well, you know, I grew up in Katy, Texas, near Houston, but we had a 100-acre farm uh, in Gonzales, Texas. And with that farm, you know, my dad, he was just always uh, building something or fixing something. And, you know, like like a, you know, shoot, I think we were five, I was five when we first bought the farm. Oh. And uh, so you're always there just handing a tool, you know, kind of, you know, the gopher, as they say, yeah. getting stuff. But, you know, from there, I just kind of, you know, observed and eventually, you know, it was like my turn to screw in a screw or make a cut. So that's how, you know, it kind of got started. But I have to be honest, like, uh, you know, in your your college years and some of your later high school years, I'm not using all those skills until I became a homeowner. Yeah. And once I gave, became a homeowner, then you either paying for somebody to do it or you can do it yourself. So it almost became a necessity to uh, to do the woodworking. And you can do it, your, uh, do it yourself and save not only save a lot of money, but also... Um, sometimes your eye is going to be more keen than the person who's doing it, who just sees it as another job yeah, onto the next absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's your house. Yeah. So what are what are some of the challenges? So obviously, you started doing it at a pretty young age. Um, many of our listeners are not going to be five years old. And, right. and, and really, the, the crux of the show is for those people that didn't grow up around someone that was teaching them and kind of walking them through. What do you see challenges for yourself or maybe some challenges that you would, you would foresee for people that are kind of jumping into this this trade you know i think like to me almost on any build anything that i'm ever doing the biggest challenge has always been keeping something square you know one, yeah. you know square and level that's that's your two key things you know so it doesn't matter whether you're building a bench installing a shelf hanging a picture you know you want it uh, properly distanced properly square and properly yep. label and that all comes down to the tools that you're using yeah. and uh you know it's sometimes a good tool that you're using can can help even the lack of knowledge that you have yeah oh man i know we're going to get to tools but i know the that that saying tool the tool makes the man mm -hmm. is super important as a guy who's done woodwork myself it's so crucial to that having the correct tools correct 
Well, and, and what is the old adage? Uh, measure twice, cut once. Correct. Uh, you don't get very many <laughs> chances right. once you start you start making cuts and that sort of thing. So, um, what for you? Kind of getting into to, to kind of preface for the tools. What would you say in your garage, workshop, toolbox, whatever you want to say? Uh, what do you think is your most universal tool that you use? I'm. It's not sexy, but I'm going to say the most universal tool I use is a good tape measure. All right. And and, and I was going to say the thing about a tape measure, and we can talk about, you know, what makes a good one. Yeah. Uh, but um, from it doesn't matter whether you're inside your closet or you're looking to do some outdoor patio furniture, you know, from your planning stage um, to actually cutting what it is that you're getting ready to do. Uh, assembling it and installing it, you're going to be using a tape measure throughout the whole process. So I would I would say that's the most universal, most common. Sure. Nothing makes you look more manly than walking through Home Depot with your tape measure <laughs> on. Exactly. It lets on. people know that you mean business. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I don't need help from anyone in the yeah. I best. have my uh, own tape yeah. measure here that means that I'm a real man. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I'm here to pick up light bulbs, but <laughs> I've got, got a tape, tape measure. measure just in case. Just in case. So what sort of tape measure should the should the average Joe uh, buy? Well, I tell you what, I, I think the most common that's going to get everybody you know along is like a 25 foot tape measure sure. that's that's probably what you're going to use uh for all your jobs now let's say you've you know you've bought your home you've been in there you know however many years and you're wanting to do some outdoor furniture maybe build a deck maybe you're wanting to finally build your kids that swing set and that's yeah. going to span over 25 feet I, you might want to have a secondary tape that's like they they make them 35 50 you can get 100 foot right. you know tapes if you want but a 25 foot but the big thing that i have looked for now in tape measures is um you know the wider band so i work a lot by myself and i bet you i don't know if some of the listeners are going to be in that same boat yeah. but uh, if you don't want to have to you know have your wife or your kid hold the other end of that tape measure the thicker the wider like a one and a quarter versus a one inch width right uh, man, you're over there 10, 15 feet with that thing before it collapses on right. you. And so that's important. The other thing, uh, the one one of my favorite ones, uh, uh, this Cobalt, but the other other brands have a magnetic tip. Big time. So if you find a, a nail in your stud or whatever, boom. I mean, it just locks in and you can go forever. And um, the other ones I like too are double-sided. So you've got your markings on both sides of the tape. Oh, that's and that's nice. really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And there's so many different attachments to that. Uh, you know, there's there's like little uh, graphite tips that you can Correct. do. Correct, self-marking. Yeah. Yeah. Are those all gimmicks or are there is there an actual place in when somebody's at Home Depot or Lowe's for, for you to pick up something like that? I, I personally... Uh, I know that those graphite tip ones exist, and you have to replace the graphite. Yeah. But uh, and and I'm sure they're probably great. But me, I'm a big mechanical pencil user, and the I don't use number two pencils or anything like that. I use a mechanical pencil that's very precise, no sharpening. Click click, you get yeah. more lead. And you, when you want to make something that's a repeatable measurement. You that's that's what now you that is use. a pro tip right it there. is right there because the carpenter's pencil doesn't fit well behind your ear and no. if you wear a hat you can stick it up there I guess but then you have to sharpen it yeah sharpen mechanical it. pencils always sharp you've used it three times and now the it's got a little fatter in yeah, yeah. and when we were talking about that at the intro you know for squaring and leveling if you want to be off a thirty second of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch that's a that's a difference maker when you finally go to assemble and you're Absolutely. like why isn't this 
exactly yeah, square. That's right. Okay, so what is what is a tool that you maybe you're glad you have, but you're it's not something that's coming out of the toolbox very often. Uh, for me, that would probably be a sawzall. Now, I did pick it up as one of these group, I think, um, you know, tool purchases. Yeah. But uh, I've used it probably in 30 years twice for demolition. So a sawzall is a, another term for that is a reciprocating saw. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's it's not something that, hey, I'm going to make a bench outside. I'm going to get out my sawzall. Right. Yeah. Super rough cuts. Yeah. Super yeah. rough cuts. So so if you're at the store and you're looking at because we're going to give you a list here in just a second, but if you're at the store, maybe unless you're doing a whole bunch of demo, which if you don't have any experience or any tools, doing a bunch of demo in your house is probably a moronic idea. Yeah, you, you don't want to step into that without yeah. knowing. I think what you're anyone doing. that's ever watched an HGTV show, they see that normally they they have all these wonderful dreams of doing a great job at their house and it ends the first time they, you know, start cutting into walls That's and right. cutting out studs and that sort of thing. So let's let's kind of jump straight into uh, what I feel like is is going to set the foundation for someone that's that's interested in it. And, you know, birthdays come up, Christmas come up, Father's Day. That's really when you're going to start asking for some of these things. If you don't want to go out and drop hundreds of dollars, uh, just start asking for some of these as as they come up and you'll you'll it's an easy way to send add to your garage but let's let's talk about in your in your opinion what is kind of the the basic starter set of things you need to have to do a, a good number of projects so this could be like your I've already been I'm, I've, I'm already a homeowner and I'm just doing a look down to make sure I have these as yeah. well as I'm a new homeowner and I got to get this. I don't want to get halfway through a project and, and realize these. that up. Oh, this is actually kind of a big deal. Perfect. I want to hear this. Right. Well, for me, and you know, and it's funny. I uh, I kind of come at this at the perspective. You know, I have three kids. They're all in their twenties, and believe it or not, they all three just became homeowners. Uh, yeah. One in August, and the other two closed a day apart, April 29th oh, and April 28th. They're all they're all homeowners. It's and, gonna be a trial by fire. Yeah, exactly. So I've got a ton of projects, by the way, that they've of been course, asking yeah. for assistance Dad, on, on that, I, that I'm doing. But uh, like I was telling those guys, I'll go back if I was gonna make a list. Say I'm a, I'm a as we call it a noob newbie. Yeah. We're just yeah. starting from scratch. Uh, first of all, go get you a package of those mechanical pencils. Um, again, they. I, you're going to do yourself a world of good with that because they're the, the lead is always the same. It's always the same point every time you mark. It's very fine. And you're just and talking about the, like what a middle school middle school doing algebra in. right exactly. out of the, just steal it right out of the trapper yeah, keeper. And you don't have to <laughs> do go. They still have those. I don't think so. Exactly. You don't have to go big time on this. Go yeah. get you your five dollar or three dollar pack of four, yep. and that's what I use. And, um, and you're gonna save yourself a ton of time, I'm telling you, by not having to go back and trim off sixteenths and thirty seconds of an inch because yeah. your your pencil lead is different. And think about it, you have your one pencil you've been using and it, you can't find it, so you go get another one, that lead is different, you're off a 30 second. Yep. But you lose a mechanical pencil and you'll get one of those other three, it's all the same. All the yeah, same. so that's it's what you wanna brilliant do. Brilliant pro tip. Um, the tape measure, you know, we talked about, I would I would get you a good one that you like. Uh, wider bands are gonna be more rigid, help you span uh, different areas, uh, you know, larger areas. But uh, the other thing, you know, again, let's say we're not going with table saws and miter saws yet. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, get you a speed square. 
It's also known as a carpenter square. I did a ton of projects before I ever had a miter saw and all that with a speed square. That's that triangle yep. looking square uh, for if people aren't familiar with that. Yep. The neat thing about that is, let's say we need to cut 12 two by fours or two by sixes. You can take that speed square and clamp it down and that now becomes your uh, circular saw, your guide. You'll see guys out on construction sites use their foot propping up the board with the speed square on top of that. That became their workbench. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's a must if you just want to start out Absolutely. slow. Uh, power drill, nobody's going to be doing any major construction with just a screwdriver, right, you know, yeah. hand screwdriver. So um, in in that, so there's, there's a power drill and then there's a, a, a bit driver or what, what do you yeah. want to call them? So most of the guys, if you ever watch guys that come over to work on your house, they're not using the large Ryobi, just regular power drill. They're going to use an actual driver. Yeah. If you're going to go out and buy like an one, impact, an impact, impact driver. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're going to go out and buy one, is it, are there kind of reasons to have both or is one better than the other? Well, I tell you, for me, um, I have obviously, you know, probably six different, you know, uh, my man. Uh, power drills. My man. But uh, I would say, uh, what? and going back to my kids, uh, for Christmas, I got all my kids uh, basically this DeWalt set. It was a combo set with two. So you have a hammer drill and just a regular power drive. And the reason that I say picking up a hammer drill, um, people, you may find yourself needing to screw into brick, you know, concrete. Yeah and something like that and if you get a hammer drill that'll that'll help with yeah. those because uh, you can put you know floating shelves or whatever mount your tv uh into brick I, and yep. uh, you know i had to help my daughter uh mount theirs onto the fireplace uh brick so got a uh, masonry bit and that hammer drill we we did it ourselves did you just look at your son-in-law and just pull up your shirt and flex your biceps at him and just be like what up yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, hey, this, this is, is how, how real we do it. yeah next <laughs> time next time don't call on the father-in-law to hang shelves bro yeah. yeah when i show up it's like a walking you know lowe's or home depot man <laughs> That's I, right. I have all that but uh yeah i would definitely uh obviously if you're just starting out with what we call classic woodworking yeah um just get you a good power drill and uh, they have them now where uh, you got the quick change outs where That's you right. just pull the shank down and you can put in any bit that you want. Yeah. Um, on the, on the speed square, um, there's different size speed squares uh, and there's different types. There's, you know, you Correct. can get an aluminum, you can get a plastic, you can get a metal uh, size. So where, what size and what, what type should they I, get? I would highly recommend at least six inch, you know, mm -hmm. six to eight inch. Right. And man, if you can do the aluminum, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Uh, but even I've used the, uh, what are they like, the hard kind of plastic, plastic. type uh, ones as well. The reason why I ask is I have a horror story where I, that was the only speed square I had and I was in the middle of a project and it broke. I right. set it down and broke. Break too. And you're like, ah, oh, and you yeah. don't want to go to back to Home Depot to just buy a speed square. Yeah. So, and, Throw an extra three bucks and get. I'm telling you, get the metal one. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So you probably had that orange one, That's right? Exactly that, the, right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I've had those break on me. Don't, just buy the buy the aluminum I, one. I buy the aluminum ones. I buy the metal ones. Absolutely, all day. But um, I mean, just uh, the other thing I would say, obviously, you're going to need to cut your lumber. Yeah. And if you don't want to invest in the big table saws or miter saw, a circular saw can get you uh, going. And like I say, using a speed square in combination. Yep. You'll be able to make literally almost any cut that you want. And to there's make. many different sizes for Correct. circular saws. So is yeah. there a 
obviously bigger isn't always better when it comes to like buying all this stuff because right. might, it might be overkill but you also don't want to spend a lot of money and get one that just isn't you can't get the blade out long enough for you right. really to cut anything so is there is there a specific size of a circular saw that you'd recommend you're probably looking you know eight inch or ten inch okay. and 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 yeah ask yourself that question you know am i going to be cutting a lot of two by four material or am i just doing plywood type yeah. you know material and uh but and in, in conjunction with that let's just say you're just a circular saw guy that's doing a lot of framing a lot of times when you buy the saw, it'll come uh, with a standard blade on it yeah. uh, that's usually made for rough lumber, you know, like, uh, but let's say you do get into a little bit of cabinetry making uh, an end table that you want to make. Yeah. Uh, and again, all just straight cuts, but uh, getting a little finer tooth blade, changing it out, you're going to look like you're a pro because your cuts are so smooth than yeah. what you just, what comes with it. Another little pro tip I can tell you this is the top of a, any cut is going to be the smoothest. The the bottom, you know, where it kicks back, the blade yeah. is where it splinters up and roughs up. I was just about you, to ask, that bite that, that yeah. gets on it, so that, that splintering, you want that on the back side. You want so that on the back think side. Think of which way yeah, it is exactly. turning. Exactly. And, and, and I guess so like there. think of think of all your cuts like having a front side and a back side that, you know, nobody's going to see or what they're going to see. But if you want to minimize that splintering, you take painter's tape. You know that tape when you're that blocking tail. off your you know you're going to paint your wall but you've yeah. taped off your trim mm -hmm. you put that on the back side of that board you can even put it on the top side of the board and that'll that'll take care of all that splintering that's so that's a great that's a brilliant deal too so let's and, add that to yeah, our, and, and our blue, list of blue materials tape. Painter's tape. Blue to tape. that there's a front side and a back side so one other thing to think about is as you're about to make that cut choose the side Correct. that you're 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 gonna the presentation side forward so don't 100%. don't wait till you get done with that cut and realize there's this huge knot on this side i probably should have started on the other side yeah i always uh look at the wood and before i make any cuts determine like is there a better side least knots yeah you know or something like that. it just has a cool grain you know yeah. texture honestly uh, it's not just when I'm at home getting ready to make that cut. When I'm at the lumber store, I'm I'm looking, and I can. That's one thing I think. You know, we probably were going to talk about that a little bit later. Is like when you're picking out your lumber, take yeah. the extra time, turn it on its edge, look down, make sure it's straight. Yep. You know, not bowed or twisted. Okay, so what are some other things that you'd recommend? Man, the other thing I was going to say, and a lot of people, uh, you know, they're always thinking about nailing and screwing things together, but glue. Uh, I add glue to just about not every Elmer's project. Glue, that we're not about. Elmer's glue. Okay. You're, you can buy wood uh, glue that you're that you're going to say. I use Tight Bond okay. or Tight Bond Two. Tight so bond there, two. there's exterior and interior grade. I usually just get the exterior because it's just better all the way around. And then the other thing that I've found. So let's say you got your speed square, you got your circular saw, you've been making all these cuts. Now you need to assemble it. Well, nothing's more frustrating than not having a good level kind of quality work area. Yeah. So you literally could go buy um, a piece of uh, plywood, some saw horses, and make your own saw horses if you wanted to, and throw that up there. The other thing that I've done, uh, and, and they look like death, but I've got a couple of uh, like Costco brand white folding tables. Fold the legs out, yeah. put two of them together. And you know I got a kind decent give little a yeah, workspace. Yeah, so that's, they've got glue and stain on them. Oh, yeah. and I just fold them out of the way when I'm not using them. So those are great. That's actually brilliant because I have always had I have two sets of saw horses and I have my ply, three quarter inch ply that I'll put on top of those. 
there's nothing more fresher than when you it, it you put it on one side and the piece of plywood goes and flips up it flips up and it, yeah. every all the tools everything go flying so i'm gonna actually take that and run with that i'm yep. gonna get myself a costco table yeah and i do that and i tell you the other thing now sometimes i do feel like protecting that table a little bit um you know painters they have that painter's plastic but you mm-hmm. can get a roll of the uh, paper uh those things are almost like three foot you know roll yeah i just have a roll of that in my garage and i'm always ripping that off and putting it on the tables it just prolongs the life a little bit yep. but uh the other thing I was going to say besides that is clamps. Uh, if I was a beginner guy and I, I would build my clamp collection as I go. So let's say you're starting a Project X, um, go get you those two or three 12 inch clamps or yeah. those two or three 24 inch clamps. And then that way you don't have to bother the wife, the girlfriend, the kids to come hold this. Yeah. Uh, and clamps for me are And they always lose invaluable. motivation about halfway through the cut. Yeah. And all of a sudden they just start, it starts creeping out. It's not going <laughs> to hold the same way as a mechanical clamp. And, and if you've ever gone to the store to look at clamps, it is an overwhelming, there awesome. are so many different, different sizes, colors. colors. Yeah. I like know. those quick clamps, the little grip, yeah. you know, clamps. And then they just kind of the little, blue and yellow mm, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those things are great. Um, probably the other thing I would say too is, you know, you've made all these cuts, you're starting to glue and nail together um, to really make it look good. And before you finish it, you know, sand, sand what it is that you're doing. That's yeah. going to really smooth up your edges. Um, now, what sort of sander? Uh, I use an orbital sander, and I bet you the most common grit paper that I use is 150 grit. If people aren't familiar with grit, um, uh, it's interesting. If I say 80 grit, that's more rough. 150 is more smooth. 220 is even smoother because it's basically the the amount of, you know, how much surface area is in right. the square inch, yeah. you know. So 220 items versus 80 items right. is a smoother uh, But deal. if somebody is going to do just a general project and they're going to the store, 150 is would, the one. Would be what I, okay. I probably use more sheets of 150 than anything else. Okay. And when you, uh, and we can talk about, you know, some finishing later if y'all want, but it's like as you're putting poly on something, the very last step of a project, I probably use a 220. Okay. You know, and something like that. Um, I, you know, uh, I was going to say, those are probably my basic things. If you have a tape measure, a mechanical pencil, speed square, circular saw, and a drill, yeah. you're going to be going to town yep. on a ton of projects. Now, let's say you've got a little bit larger budget. I almost can't do anything without a miter saw. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, was a, that just speeds everything up. Yeah. And uh, so if, for what it's worth, if you had a miter saw and then maybe a jigsaw, Jigsaws do allow you to cut little notches. Yeah. I've made arbors at my house. I've made probably three. And uh, the decorative ends of the arbor. Hoopty there in the end. Boom. Yep. Jigsaw. There and Bosch makes like a 12-inch blade. So I've done some big cutouts uh, with, yeah. with my uh, jigsaw. So I would I would probably recommend that. But I can't stress enough like the, uh, like a, say, like your project assembly table using those Costco deals or just build you that's one. That's brilliant. Or uh, for me, I like to have an assembly area that's always going and nothing gets on there but finished cut pieces. And then I like to have my cutting area, you know, my... my Because that's going to get a lot more... There's going to be yeah, sawdust all over the all place. All over that. Yeah. And then um, one other little trick of the trade that'll really make a guy look professional is uh, I've been using the uh, Craig uh, pocket hole yeah. system. That's K-R-E-G. a game changer. K-R-E-G. Yep. And uh, I would recommend that. And then, like I say, 
clamps, clamps, yeah. clamps, clamps. They're your friend. They allow you to work by yourself and yeah. don't have to go out and buy a hundred of them from the get go. Just you know, build your collection as you go. If you ever watch an online video of a guy that's doing like probably a more high end uh, type of carpentry, he has like a whole wall of clamps. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's it's crazy how many, and then even within a simple project, they're gonna have like 16 different clamps oh, yeah. to make sure that Gluing. it's being held. Well, yeah. Also, he, talk, he talked about the just having someone hold it. A lot of times the clamps are used to, you, you've made this cut, you've now glued the joint, and you're moving on to the next thing. Well, that clamp is holding that joint together uh, where it's not just you trying to hold it and get tired arm, you know, yeah. where you just sew it a little. And, and I'll tell together. you one little trick of the trade that I've upgraded. So again, this is not beginner that you have to have, but I invested now, I've actually got three now. I've got a 23 gauge, a 16 gauge, an 18 gauge pin nailer. So here's the other deal. Your wife has no idea how much you've right. spent. And no, you, no, yeah, no, no. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do, we're definitely going to do the show on how to hide expenses. But uh, what she, she doesn't really, even know about the show. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know about the show. She doesn't even know. But uh, when you glue something and you just pop, pop with a uh, pin nailer, sometimes the hole that it leaves is almost undetectable. And then you don't even need your clamps anymore. You can use your clamps on the next phase yeah. of your project. So, That's you know, just clamp tip. it long enough till you can pin nail it, pop, pop. And you're done. And then I don't, you know, uh, a lot of people, that's what I was going to say. They, they don't realize the value of glue. Uh, when you glue something together on your projects, that glue is like a weld. It is going to physically bond those two pieces together. If we took a hammer after our project later on and just beat it all to crud, the glued part is probably the last thing to break. Wow. So glue your, your projects. And a pin nailer basically takes the place of a clamp. Yeah, brilliant. It's awesome. Um, okay, so uh, is there any other, any other, um, I guess, tools that somebody as they're as they're building out uh, would would need to make sure and they have? Man, I think that that would get you kind of get you going. So many projects, yeah. Because right there. there's obviously you got planers, you got table saws, you have. There's a lot of there's a lot of other tools, but that's that's going to be as you let's say you start doing a few projects and you start loving it. Maybe mm -hmm. that's you start adding building into, out your arsenal. That. Yeah. yeah, you can build out your arsenal that way. And what's interesting is, you know, using that circular saw that we talked about, let's say I had a two by six, you talking about planers and joiners, you could set your circular saw up to cut off about a 16th or a quarter inch of your boards and you knock off that round edge. Yeah. Thus a joiner. Yeah. You know, you, you can do so that. So you can kind of, that's what I'm adapt. saying. A circular yeah. saw, speed square, Tape measure, mechanical pencil, you're you're, you're off all and set. running, all and then, gravy. And then as you get into it, yeah. Okay, so as we kind of move on to, all right, now I'm at the store, so I have my list. Mm -hmm. How much do brands matter? Is buying tools in general kind of like a, a buy it nice or buy it twice sort of thing, or you know, because there's an enormous price difference between your just, you know crappy sort of just baseline tools and then you start getting into like the higher end tools where where is kind of the sweet spot if you're going to start acquiring a collection yeah i've been in both worlds like when i was young you know just didn't have that much money and i got my young growing family uh i bought uh man, i don't should I say brand names you know i bought i bought a ryobi yeah. like that had almost eight ryobi's to ten. the official sponsor of man <laughs> yeah of so man maybe pick another yeah. one <laughs> but uh but um it was interesting a lot of those tools didn't last as long as as i wanted to so then i'm starting to look at what are the pros using and uh, uh you know friends of mine that are in trade businesses 
you know, there's uh, DeWalt for me is my go-to brand. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee, Bosch, Rigid. Um, that's what I do. I always tell people, you know, buy, uh, you know, depending on your price point, you know, buy probably the, the I'm not going to say the most expensive is always better, but, you know, buy uh, what you can afford. But like if we talked about power drills, power drills can range from 50 to $150. Yeah. And, um, but the DeWalt drills uh, that I've seen, you know, like they'll come with the LED light. You squeeze the trigger, it emits yeah. light. Man, when you're down underneath it's the cabinet helpful. and you're yeah. trying to screw something in, that is way helpful. Uh, but I found that the motors on those, um, the torque, you know, power that you get, um, the speed options, multiple speeds for, are you working with a fine coarse screw or, or you know, mm-hmm. what, what are you working with? It has so much flexibility. And like we were saying, you're usually one and done at that. You know, my grandfather used to have a, a thing that quality is economy. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you've had there people you say like, well, you know, I had a triple stitch shirt that was a hundred bucks or I got this other one that's 20 bucks. Well, the other one only lasts you a yeah. year. I still got shirts that I've had for literally 25 years. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm not kidding, but uh, that's what I would I would recommend if you can afford it, you know, try to do that. And uh, maybe something like a drill or that circular saw that you're going to be using every single day. But maybe let's do that sawzall right over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah. Or Something no, that yeah. we're not going to use that much, then, you know, yeah, I, I would, you know, or uh, say you have a, let's even say the jigsaw. You know, my jigsaw, I don't use that much, but the jigsaw, when you do need it, it's the only thing that works. Yeah. And uh, so maybe uh, that's what I would recommend to a beginner is you don't have to go top of the line on everything, but, um, you know, maybe if you're going to save some money, you know, put it based on what you're going to be using every day. Yeah, so the high the highest end of what you can afford if you're going to buy a, a, a tool. And and there's a reason why when you go you see contractors that are working on your house that are yeah. that are doing, you know, 10 hours a day using the, these drills or or whatever it is, there's a reason why they're choosing certain brands. It's not just it's not just because they like the decoration or they like the color. Right. They're, they're choosing it based on the utility. Exactly. Exactly. And I found too, you know, like DeWalt has the number one rated power drill right now. Uh, Bosch has the number one rated router right now. Huh. And so uh, just like if you were buying TVs, you remember how certain, you know, Panasonic might have the best, right. you know, this and yeah. Samsung was having the best, you know, LED versus plasma was Panasonic. Yeah. You know, so. You know, just do your research. I always do this too. Uh, don't just go to the manufacturer site. You know, go on these sites that they'll rank. You know, things and people real world reviews where they've actually used it, and they'll tell you whether it's garbage or not. And I think sometimes you, I, I'd wonder how much like you have guys who would argue that Ford is better than Chevrolet, and that you know Dodge right. is going to be better than Toyota or whatever. As long as you're getting that middle of the road or nicer, they're going to have a lot of the same similarities. I'm a Bosch guy personally. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Bosch. I too. think Bosch is the great, and, and I would argue it against a thousand other tools, but then you have guys who say Milwaukee. No, Milwaukee is the most trusted. But it's a class. It, yeah, of, it's a, of that's Bryant. exactly right. Yeah. You're, you're spending the, a little bit of money to get that, but the cool thing is if you do go all one brand, uh, if you're doing the, uh, uh, the, the disconnect. What am I talking? The, the batteries. The batteries uh, and the chargers. And you just you have the same charger that you can you exactly. can switch out. So that's kind of nice. Once you find one, because those batteries are expensive. It's like the battery yes. costs more than the dadgum yeah. tool. Yeah, You're correct. So yeah, that's yeah. good. Okay, so let's jump into some practical questions here. So I now I have 
you know, maybe not the whole list of tools, but I've got enough because I know I have this project coming up. So let's talk about a few practical questions as people kind of get started. The first one is going to be the material you're using. So what types of lumber, if I'm going, and, and it can be overwhelming, if you're not used to going through the lumber section of a Home Depot or Lowe's or, a, God forbid, a lumber yard, that, that is a whole nother level. You see so many different types of wood and all these different price points, and then, you know, you see different, like, you know, lettering behind them and all of that. What's, for most people, if they're just building a shelf or they're building something, it, what's the best type of wood for that? Well, you know, and like you say, it, it depends on, you know, what project that you're doing and, and what your interest is. Uh, you're you're going to find your woods. You know, you got your softwoods, uh, which is most commonly pine. So and, many jokes. And cedar is obviously a uh, softwood, too. But you got your hardwoods, you know, which are going to be like your maple and your hickory and your walnut. Um, uh, so it depends, like, you know, are we doing floating shelves or are we building a cabinet that I could get by with the pine framing of it because I'm going to have a nice, maybe an oak or birch plywood covering that up. Yeah. But uh, to, to all of that, I would tell you when you go and, and if they've never shopped for this, you're going to find that your lumber is going to come in different grades, like a one, two, and a three. One, you know, just like, hey, we're number one. Um, remember that it's going to be the best. It's going to have the fewest knots. It's going to be the straightest. Okay. And that alone, if if I was a beginner, I'm going to buy the highest grade of lumber, kind of like my tools that I can afford, but because it's just going to make your life easier. And some of this number two and number three grade with the with the bigger knots, and I and trust me, I've I've bought that stuff before too yeah. for certain projects, because um, I thought ah, you know, this is like I'm building a, a raised garden bed, but all of a sudden now I'm cutting or, or ripping this piece of wood and. I mean, just the, there was so much stress in that wood that yeah. when I even cut it, it's, or it's twisted and it's bowed and I'm, I want things to be square and level and and it's bad. So I would, I would look for your number one, maybe number two grade lumber on yeah. anything that I was doing. And then I will say you can buy pine and stain it to make it look like walnut, make it look like, you know, a cherry or a hickory if you're, if you're budget conscious and it'll still look good. But if you can afford that, you know, walnut piece or, you know, and, and we're talking something that may go from $1.99 a foot to eleven ninety nine a foot. I mean, you know, it's 10 times the amount. Yeah. But if that's your entryway floating shelves, you know, it might be neat, you know, to go ahead and do that. I think also knowing where to get this stuff is just important as what is in there. So where would I get, where, where would one get uh, the go from a pine to a walnut or something like that well you know interestingly enough some of your big box stores you know like let's face it that's your home depot and lowe's they mm -hmm. will have a specialty section beyond where all the treated lumber and all that is where you can usually find yourself some uh oak you can find walnut uh birch birch is a really uh, easy one uh, to do it stains a little bit differently we can talk about that you know yeah. using like a, a finisher on it before you actually use stain um, but there are actually, and we're fortunate to live here in the Dallas area, there are multiple um, specialty wood shops where you can get, you know, walnut at various lengths, thicknesses, you know, one by, two by yeah. uh, of that if you want to make a really, you know, nice project. Let's say you've you started out with a two or three little beginner projects. You, confidence is building. You're feeling pretty good. Think you may go buy that miter saw and decide <laughs> to make you know something nice you can you can go and get that yeah there's probably nothing that makes me I, we've been to uh 
a really nice lumber yard or specialty wood shop and your testosterone just yeah. flares the moment you walk into something like it just it makes you feel like the most and you might not know what you're looking at no. but you just being there and it's 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 a, it's a really cool even if you go out there just to kind of see what it is and talk with those guys yeah. It's a it's a really cool place and I'll, to be. I'll do a little, I guess, shout out to, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Rockler. Have y'all heard of Rockler? Uh-uh. Uh, Plano has one and Frisco has one. Rockler is a specialty wood shop. Uh, every type of clamp, brackets, um, and they sell multiple different types of specialty woods. Um, you know, your maples and, and things like that. You can you can really, uh, mahogany, yeah. you can get uh, different, you know, for different little projects. But they have, uh, they, they're... They'll sell like router tables and the joiners and the planers and everything that that you have. But uh, they're kind of a small shop, and I'm just so thankful that we have them. You know, uh, uh, I'm making a workbench. Went to Rockler to get my leveling feet, you know, because they just have better options than what you can get at a Home Depot or Lowe's. More specific, almost like a uh, almost like a Radio Shack versus. Is Radio Shack still around, by the way? I I don't know. They used to have one. Yeah. Shame. Uh, but no, they would have more specific things exactly. versus versus just uh, the run of the mill everything. And they're going to be they're going to be probably a lot more knowledgeable if you do have specific questions. They actually hold classes for people at Rockler. Like uh, they'll they'll offer uh, beginner introductory. You know, hey, I want to run a router. You know, I don't have a router. I'm looking to buy one. They'll actually go and show you how to use it and then probably try to sell you one. Kind of like the uh, barbecue <laughs> places. You can go yeah. buy a barbecue grill at Lowe's and talk to the guy who has no idea, who doesn't even, who lives in an apartment who's never grilled in his life yeah. about the quality. Or you can go to the, like a barbecue galore or yep. something like that. Yep. Cool. Very cool. Okay. So um, screws versus nails. So this is, if, if I'm, and again, we have to kind of frame it as, as let's say that I am, I don't have instructions. Because a lot of times people are going to be Googling something and they're going to follow is there a difference in why somebody would use a nail versus a screw? JC used nails. Worst Christ. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what's wrong with that? Yeah. So it was good enough for him. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how many power drills they had Just available saying. at that time. Uh, so is there is there a kind of a, a structural or utility difference in why I would choose to use a screw versus a nail? Man, for me, uh, my experience, I use almost exclusively uh, screws. And to that, I like the self-tapping screw that you can get from like GripRide or that PowerPro screws. Um, those usually also, by the way, have, uh, and it's neat when you buy them, have a star bit. So everybody's used to flathead or Phillips head. Yeah. So you get these little star bits. Uh, most of them will come in the package, by the way, so you don't have to worry about And those about don't it. strip out. The idea is that they're Correct. not going to strip out near as easy as a Phillips head. Exactly. Which are extreme. If you've ever screwed in, it's if the wood is hard, it's it's really easy to strip those things out. Exactly. And so I use that. I, to me, the nails, because uh, I just look at uh, the, we have an eight-foot cedar fence around our, our and I have a like a 30-foot retractable gate most everything that's been nailed in, I'm always having to go back and put screws because it's like they work their way out over yeah. time. Screws don't. But one little kind of pro tip I would tell you too is like, so I'm a, I like to screw the things in, but I love using trim head screws. So a lot of guys will countersink and you know, you're always watching, you know, get a countersink bit and that mm-hmm. uh, for people don't know you're basically going to make a little pit into your wood and then you screw your screw in there and it goes below the wood surface so it's not just flush but it's actually below flush yeah but a trim head screw 
the head of the screw is almost the same thickness as the screw. And once you screw it in there, it's like, you, you don't, you know, it's like disappears. Wow. It's such a small little deal. And you know, trim, crown mold, baseboards, trim nails. Yeah. These trim head screws have the smallest head, but you can still get three inch, two and a half inch, and they one come and with a, a specific uh, bit, bit to them for okay. it. And I use trim head screws on just a ton of projects. They hold just as good as a regular screw, but my finish on that is you talk about a little wood putty, just almost nothing. Everything's gone. You yeah. can't see anything. Yeah, man, that's that's a great tip. Um, Okay, so the next thing we want to talk about is, and you, and you alluded to it, because anyone that's done any sort of project, you've done all this work, and it looks beautiful. It's all raw wood at this point, and it looks beautiful, and you're going to, you want it to look like what you'd buy at maybe a store or something, and that is when staining comes in. Right. So talk to us about staining, because you can, you can ruin a great project very quickly by, by incorrectly staining it. it correct. And um, that's one thing that uh, I will say my, my first piece of advice, and it's one that I have to take myself because my wife is always saying I don't have any patience, but uh, have patience. You, you've, you've spent, you know, however many weekends building what this thing, it looks great. And now if the finish is bad, I mean, that's what everybody sees. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of application and then a lot of drying time before you can actually do a second application. And if you rush that, you're, you're you just trust me on this, you'll know immediately that mm -hmm. you rushed it. And, um, but choosing your stain, you know, there's oil-based stains, there's water-based stains, they're all good, uh, don't get me wrong, but like oil-based stains are gonna be a little more durable uh, for like exterior projects. Um, there's also, you're gonna find stains come in like uh, transparent, you'll have semi-transparent, semi-solid and solid. The transparent, the, you know, by the name, it just has very little pigment. It's going to give your, your wood protection, but you're still going to be able to see all the uh, wood grain in there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the transparent, I, I don't do a lot of transparent, honestly, because uh, I've seen stuff, even the pigmented stuff that I'm getting, and it's almost, just when it dries, it's like yeah. you can't even tell that you just treated yeah. that. So I'm almost always semi-transparent or, or more. And um, there's another thing, too, I would I would tell the listeners is uh, when you go buy lumber, um, let's say exterior lumber for, for sure, you, you want like cedar or like a treated lumber, like mm -hmm. the, the uh, pressure treated, it's chemically treated, so it's not gonna rot, you know? Well, that stuff can be extremely wet. And, and by that, I mean, there's a lot of moisture in that wood, mm -hmm. which by the way, is gonna go away after a couple of months of sitting outside. That wet moisture wood usually doesn't wanna take stain. Most people will tell you to wait two months before you stain your project. Well, that might not be possible because of the other types of wood that's going to be joined and all that. So to that end, I would tell you um, go with your semi-solids or solids or ask whether you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or Sherman, uh, Sherwin, I'm sorry, Williams, uh, to stain that can be applied to wet wood. They actually will make that so it's it, yeah. it absorbs into the wood a little bit a little bit more but that would be basically i would say is you know have some patience because once you put that stain on if it says takes eight hours to dry don't be coming in there in four hours flipping it over to do mm -hmm. the other side because you got two sides of the project right you're going to flip it because when you flip it back that first side is all jacked up so now you're just wanting to touch up that side where it 
came in contact you know with some risers or some wood and then now you've got like a a double coat there it's like you can tell where yeah. it came into contact with if you'll just have your patience and do it there has been so many projects that i have done that i have spent hours like you said hours and hours building this unbelievable thing and then i'm like finish line no 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 you're not at the finish line no. yet jack you this is all a part of it that staining so don't say i'm going to stain it and it'll be ready tomorrow you're you still got a you're you're essentially half the project's done right yeah staining is just as important as the building well i gotta laugh because sometimes I've, I've done projects and my wife knows i'll get impatient or i'm ready to go on project number two. Oh yeah and uh, she's like i'll stain it i'll stain <laughs> it i'll do the poly just let me do it because she knows like i've done that i've yeah. done the I'm over there touching it. Ooh, it's a little tacky, but I think uh, I think this will work. And I flip it, that gum it. Yep. You know, I should have waited. Yep. So I just want to pass that along. And the other thing, okay, are you going to use a paintbrush or a foam, a rag, or a lot of those foam applicators? I like doing the foam applicators a lot, to be honest with you, on stain. Sometimes I'll paintbrush my poly, which is a second finish. Let's say you've you've been patient. You got all four sides of your project stained. Now, to really give it that finished look is you need to protect it, protect that stain, protect that piece. And um, most people are going to use like a polyurethane. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's there's varnishes, there's tongue oil, there's a lot of different things like that you can use. Um, but uh, I use like poly in most of my stuff. And uh, the other thing is look at your finishes. So you can get glossy, semi-gloss or flat. Um, a lot of indoor furniture pieces, uh, I'll use like a semi-gloss, but a outdoor, let's say you're building a swing, you mm -hmm. know, for, for your patio or some patio furniture, I probably will go flat. It doesn't need to be super shiny, shiny and yeah, sparkly. Right. In fact, yeah. it'll look a little weird if it is. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, you know, and the other thing I will say too, uh, on, on our stains, just hopping back on that is, is it an interior project or an exterior project? So if it's exterior, do not be putting interior quality stain mm -hmm. on your outdoor project. And again, look at that water-based or oil-based. Water-based, you're going to be able to clean up just soap and water. Oil-based, not so much, but it is going to be a little bit, you know, last a little bit longer. Yeah, it's going to weather better. Weather way better. Yep. And again, um, I will say on poly, poly is one of those things where you really want to have some patience. So let's say you stained and you did your due diligence there waiting when you do poly, most people apply three coats to make it look really nice. How long does it take to cure between coats? I'm telling you, water-based, couple hours. A uh, couple hours, you can be putting on that second coat, interestingly enough. Yeah. Uh, your oil-based, you're probably going to give it 8 to 12 hours. So that's that's usually, you know, that's what kills you, right? You've built this thing, you're ready to put it in the house. Yeah. But you need about three or four days of finishing. You know, it's taking you longer to finish it. Then it took you to build it. Then the kids are using it to like, yeah. they're are starting to like set tennis rackets and stuff on and you're yeah. kicking them in the face well, to get out of the... Well, and to that, that point, you you got to like kind of uh, think about that before time. So before you do the stain and where you're going to set it, you don't want to leave it at the edge of your garage or uh, of your driveway where you're going to have to move it now. Right. So kind of have a little forethought of where you're going to put it and, and really how how you're going to keep that safe from tennis rackets or you know whatever it exactly. is exactly and to make that poly look really good by the way if you're going to do three coats and i've seen guys do one coat and call it a day but uh you you would um sand it down with a, like a 220 grit a really fine grit not the 150 that we not the about 150 earlier. that'll knock a lot of your poly off you know 220 even higher and now it's funny when you do that 
so it's going to look beautiful after that first coat, right? But uh, you'll start sanding with that 220, and all of a sudden it just gets like a that little pa- hazy, yeah. powdery look on it, and you're thinking, "What?" But you'll you'll you know wipe all that off with like yeah. a extra rag or something like yeah. that, and then when you put that second coat, you're like, "Okay." And then you do that, you know, third and final time, you'll you'll be really super happy, and it'll be making, smoother. Yeah, and if you're like making something, table, you, it, it, you're hopefully now it's handmade, and it's going to be something that you're hopefully going to enjoy and, and treasure, and and possibly be even able to hand down to your kids or something like that. So that's where really taking your time and and enjoying the process and enjoying that that finished product so you don't get it and uh, a year later it's starting to look like garbage because you just right. you just rushed through that that end portion yeah and the more coats like you say the more protection you're going to get just made a play table and benches for uh, my grandkids and uh my daughter-in-law put three coats of poly on there and she took the time yeah you know to do it and but it's gonna you know crayons food spilled milk and mm-hmm. you know that she's obviously your favorite oh. daughter the one who's your least favorite just did one coat right just and, did the one yeah and <laughs> you're like <laughs> classic <laughs> um okay and so um as far as uh workstations so if you're like a lot of people don't have an enormous amount of garage space where they're going to try and have like a bob vila looking workshop or something so when you're starting a project um how are you setting up your workstation. Yeah, and I'm saying literally for uh, 30 years of my life, I've been doing all my projects in a driveway. I'm only just now uh, converting my single car garage side to a a workshop because of all the different projects Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to do for me and and my kids, you know, all three now having houses. But uh, well, I finally gave you the green light on gave that me one. The green light. My man. She's like, do it. She wants me in the garage. Uh, <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough, more than in, in the house. Yeah. But uh, no, I tell you, you can do a ton just in your driveway. Um, like I was saying, get you a couple of those Costco tables, throw them up, or get you some saw horses and uh, throw throw a sheet of uh, plywood. You know, four by four, two by four. Four by eight, cooler you know, if beer you, if you want, yeah, and um, and you can go to town and and you can do a, a lot of good, and um, that that's what I was gonna say is my thing. Now, if you got if you can do it, let's say you've got that extra like I do now, I have a three car garage, so I'm gonna do that one side. Then um, you know, there's a lot of information you can find online for setting up uh, a shop and mm-hmm. for you know think about the uh, what is it feng shui or the mm-hmm. uh, you know where you know, think about how I'm going to be making all my cuts over here. Yeah. Uh, I need an outfeed table. I mean, think about it. Lumber is going to be like 8, 10, and 12 foot long. So you can't just be putting Doing that the corner. in yeah. the corner yeah. over here. And um, so, uh, but like, you know, a lot of people, you know, say a miter saw up against the wall. Your table saw right out there kind of in the middle with a feed, outfeed table, mm-hmm. you know, to, to go through. Uh, but I'm telling you, for the beginning guy that's, not sure if he even wants to do this or where am I even going to start building a arbor or outdoor patio furniture? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to throw two folding tables out on your driveway. Or if you, Oh, yeah, but I live in an apartment and I just wanted to do this for our balcony. You're going to take those tables out into the parking lot where you parked your car. Mm-hmm. You set them up and now you have a cordless because you don't have access to power, right? You're yeah. going to take your cordless circular saw, your speed square, and your mechanical pencil and tape measure and go to town. You'll build it in a day. And out of flex to uh, all the other every, neighbors. The janitors and, are like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With your portable, portable workshop. Yeah. What, how important is 
good beer, like a good beer while you're building <laughs> something it's, it's really just, cold. You got to really, first. is it right? Like you got to, you got to have a good beer while you're doing woodworking, right? Right. Well, you know, it's funny, like man, when I, it, it is funny when I get going, I mean, I'm just, I'm just on task. I'll be 4 a.m. man. started at 8 a.m. just until something gets done. That yep. sounds like I reading. feel like the accountant. I got to finish. I got to yep. finish. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not finished. But uh, yeah, stay hydrated. <laughs> stay <laughs> hydrated. Um, okay, so in, in terms of that, and I feel like this is almost next level, but there's some precautions that can be made. Uh, as you have your workstation, um, dust collection. So obviously if you go to guys, we have a buddy of ours that does a lot of woodworking. Um, he, he has an actual dust collection system in his garage. Um, most people, if, if you didn't, um, go expensive on your power drill, you're probably not the guy that's going to build out a dust collection system. You know, a couple thousand dollars for a dust collection system in your garage. So what are some thoughts, things, uh, and you kind of already mentioned it, having a cutting station and, you know, a station where you're going to be doing stuff that you don't want sawdust as a part of it. How, how are you dealing with dust collection? Well, I tell you, I, I do have a shop back, and that's the neat thing with a lot of your... Uh, even just your handheld tools, circular saws, routers, but obviously your bigger equipment like your your table saws and your your miter saws, they all now come with uh, dust ports so that you mm-hmm. can hook shop vacs up. So okay. if you can afford that, even if you were working outside, I, I would recommend you know maybe making that uh, an investment. Obviously wearing the protective gear and the mask because mm-hmm. you don't want to be breathing in sawdust all day every day yeah. you know that and the finer you know like when you're sanding sanding i definitely would i'm not going to say that i always do it when i'm cutting on a miter saw or circular saw but mm-hmm. sanding I, I usually will fortunately for me for doing all my work outside mother nature is kind of taking care of yeah. my sawdust but i will tell you a little trick that i do is uh and i think it's almost next to one of my favorite tools like i always used to joke that one of my favorite tools on the planet is when you go to a nice restaurant and the crumb catcher where they oh, clean yeah. the crumbs oh, yeah. off your deal that is my lawn and leaf bag holder okay i have this lawn and leaf bag it's just this wire thing kind of yeah. collapses yeah. up yeah. and down and and i put my lawn and leaf bag on it and so i make a cut and i have a two inch scrap or a little 45 miter scrap into the lawn and leaf bag and i just i mean when i'm done Yes, there's going to be some sawdust on the floor, but I just don't have scraps uh, yeah. everywhere. Yep. And uh, say I want some scraps to prop up because uh, I'm ready to paint, stain, or poly. You know, I know where all my scraps are. You know, and yeah. then that lifts my my project up. So, but if you can't afford it, yeah, get your shop vac. And man, I've seen them those big industrial. You know, where they got oh, yeah. hoses going up and yeah. over the garage and down to systems. But I am. Let's just say I'm, maybe I'm still in beginner mode because I haven't really invested. That, that's in all kind that of a yet. next level yeah, type yeah. of thing. He, it, it's it's a it's a gig for him. Yeah, uh, for Pro sure. Shop. The uh, so one thing that what were you about to say? Well, yeah. and I was going to say I think this is key. This is a this is has really helped me too because uh, we're talking sawdust. Um, it just just triggered. Um, save some of your sawdust. A lot of people are like what? Yes, save some of your sawdust the glue that we were talking about. So let's say you've mitered or you got a butt joint and you got a little bit of a gap. Obviously they make wood filler, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's gonna take the place of the actual material you're working on, right? Walnut, maple, pine. Save sawdust from your cuts. Use some of that tight bond glue. Mix the sawdust with the glue. 
instant wood filler that matches your wood. Wow. And you can put that in your gaps. That is a great tip. Brilliant. That Brilliant. is that is a that is a master class yeah. sort of yeah. sort of tip. When it dries, you can sand it just like you would sand any filler and, and your gaps gone, people are gonna wonder how do you make such great precision yeah. cuts? Yeah. So one thing that I've uh, that I've done is when you get done with that project, when you're gonna you know take the blower to the garage or the floor or whatever it is, do that. Make sure everything is pristine. Then start the staining. Uh, there, do not wait to blow everything, Correct. clean everything, because that'll get everywhere. Make sure when you jump into the staining, the finishing part you're working in a completely uh, static area because mm-hmm. uh, that will come back and bite you when you're sitting there you're blown off I was like oh my god I just put the poly on and yeah, now there's no, sawdust all over point. the place so yeah, yeah and, and even like wiping down the wood that you're using just make right. sure that it's not gritty and, and all that stuff so just kind of being aware so I feel like that's going to wrap up our very first episode. We'll come back and do another episode on different projects and, and things like that. And we'll kind of, it, this is kind of the introductory, and then we're going to kind of put it together in terms of what are some different projects. I want to um, just, I, I feel like this was a extremely informative. Wow. And even, even for you, Reed, who does a lot of woodworking projects, I feel like uh, it's something that, depending on where you are at, there was going to be something in this episode for I you. I promise you, I, I, I consider myself uh, above average, and I learned some stuff today. Absolutely. So, Chris, thank you so much, and, and hopefully uh, we'll have you back on uh, for the next segment here, and you can kind of walk through uh, some, some projects and, and all of that. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. Great Absolutely. Job. Thank you for listening to the Mantelligent Podcast. This is the show for guys and all about guys, where we will continue to give you the tools and resources to become the man you always wanted to be. This is Johnny and Reed signing off and reminding you to be Mantelligent. Intelligent.